welcome to Scott's Whiskey Explorers, a podcast where we discuss everything there is to discuss about whiskey. I'm Stuart and I'll be joined by Peter on each episode where we will ask the questions and seek out the answers that are prompted by our love of whiskey. If you want to know more about how we came to be making this podcast, please have a listen to the Season 1 trailer. In Season 1, we will be focusing on the fundamentals of single malt Scotch whiskey production. Everything from barley to fermentation to maturation will be examined and explored in exhaustive detail. If you'd like to know more about Scots Whiskey Explorers or if you'd like to get in touch to leave comments or suggestions, please go to www.scotswhiskeyexplorers.com. You can also find us on Twitter at WhiskeyScots. Thank you for listening to Scots Whiskey Explorers. We hope you enjoy it. Now, please sit back, relax, pour yourself a dram and enjoy our conversation about more aspects of distilling. Hey Peter, how you doing? Not bad at all, Stuart. And yourself? Have you been keeping well? Yep, everything's pretty grand. Doing okay. Keeping on, keeping on. Doing fine. Doing fine. That's, that's good to know. And have, have you been keeping up with your your whiskey research, your whiskey reading, your whiskey tasting? I've been slaving over some hot books for hours. My head's full of line arms and worm tubs. Oh, I'm impressed. That that's a, that's the right words to be using. <laughs> I think the condensed formats working. I think that last episode was nice and focused, compact. It's interesting to have that discipline, isn't it? Because we've pretty much freeformed it up to now. But this seems yeah. a little bit more like work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it did feel like cramming for an exam. I have to confess. But, <laughs> and as much as that. You know, and I, I was enjoying the the thinking about and the placing of particular ideas and topics t- to how you make some sense of it. We finished off the last one, and it, it kind of came to quite a kind of natural pause about you know, no matter what the the size and shape of stills, you know, you get the short, fat ones and the tall, skinny ones. They're still all made up of broadly three different sizes, and and we'd also hinted at that. There's clearly a, a skill and a quite a bit of expertise involved in, in the distiller's art about how they get the liquid out of those stills. And, and we were comparing right at the end there, picking up that Lagavulin's an outlier in as much as its low wines spirit still is larger than the wash still. And comparing that to Kalila, which has very a lot of similarities in terms of its mash bill and those kind of things quite apart from being on Isla but it stills are two and a half times the size of those of Lagavulin give or take but the charge the starting point they both start with 12,000 litres of liquid which is quite, quite remarkable I, I was quite taken aback by that maybe that's maybe that's why Lagavulin has a larger low wine still <laughs> You know, you're saying that its low wine still is bigger than its wash still, which is anomalous. That's not something that generally tends to occur. But just the way you were describing it there and the, the level of the charge, the amount of liquid that Lagavulin are putting into their low wine still, maybe that's why it has to be so big. Yeah. Who knows? You know, And, and I suppose the... Each individual distiller, there will be 
there'll be some logic as to why things work in this particular way. And that, that's not to say you can't change, but there are received wisdoms that everything's been done the same way since since the beginning of time. But that that's that's clearly clearly not the case. So that it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a great surprise to find out that Lagavulin have distilled in a different way. And you know when they were still illicit distillers, I'm pretty sure that the stills weren't that size down in the beautiful hollow by the bay. Aye. Yeah, by the way, you know that, that those those are different things. However, what we were pointing out is that stills come more or less the three constituent parts. You've got the bowl, the neck, and the and the line arm, and that that maybe gives a good a good starting point for here about spend some time thinking about those shapes and what they actually mean and what they look like. Although we're maybe in a wee bit of a hiding to nothing, trying to describe what things look like on something that's got no visual aids, really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it as read that if folk are listening to this, they know what a still looks like. <laughs> and, and they might even be uh, able to conjure up uh, images of different shaped stills. But I think it's worth, it's worth pointing out the kind of general... I suppose there's categories, isn't there? There's there's your onion shaped still, then there's ones with what do they? Is, is it a boiling boiling ball? They call it, yeah. and it's got a kind of sphere in the middle of the neck. Yeah. Um, and then there's what's the other one? Lantern shaped. Yeah. And I can see I can see your hands have stopped moving at that point. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lantern shape's quite hard to describe. But, well, I suppose we'll also maybe write it, well, if we start right at the bottom, and I'll, I'll have a go at doing the descriptors, I'll, I'll, I'll take that on. So the bottom, the bottom of the still is a bit that most resembles a kettle or round boiling vessel. And, but it's also to the eye, there are bits that aren't visible, and that's the bottom mm-hmm. of the it's resting on its heat source. And convention would be that, that that would be that would be curved. It would have an arc, but like an upside down saucer. You were saying, aye, and uh, because that that harks back to the 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 days of direct firing, um, which would probably the source would have been probably coal, you know, more recently. But that people have moved on to gas, and and actually the heating source now is much more likely to be internal. But that convex shape would be. There, because you you'd mentioned that actually it provides a bit of an advantage for getting the liquid out of of the still. That's what I, that's what I um kind of understood was the uh, upturned saucer shape provides a an, an ability for the water or the the liquid unused liquid to to run off into the to the rim, if you like, and it makes for easier emptying. That's that's kind of what I was reading, but also because of that, if, if the still is direct fired, there's a chance that any any solid matter in the in the charge would get stuck to the the bottom. So they, there's another rummager that goes around the bottom there, which is usually a, like you know, like a copper chain or a yeah, or a, and a chain that you would recognise as you know something that you chain up your motorbike or your bike with. But also there's others that have got maybe more fine meshes of copper that again are just to disturb 
and around the bottom there so that nothing gets stuck to the bottom and, and burns. Yeah, I, I had initially uh, kind of, I think I'd seen a rummager just as a, as a, a, a chain, a large link chain that was rotating around the bottom of the still. Um, and then I was also hearing about other rummagers that, that, that seemed to be like a, a sheet of chain mail that suspended mm. on a on a on an arm within within the, the still and um, yeah. and it's rotated round so that it's not just the 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 base of the still that gets rummaged it's also the what did they call them the flu flues the flu plates the flu plates at the side of the still there there might be possibilities of solids adhering to that as well so the chain mail kind of covers all of all of that but interestingly you were in the last episode you were talking about at Springbank they've got the sounding the charge facility with their little wooden wooden ball that allows them to uh, to tap the still and hear what's going on but there's also another interesting wee thing it, it, I think it's yeah it's on the wash still in Springbank the rummager is being rotated uh, by um, means of a, a rod that's inserted into the side of the still and that rod is rotating forcing the the spindle to rotate the the rummager and on the 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 rod which is penetrating the still there is a bell so that as that rod makes one full rotation the bell gets agitated so the the distillers know that the rummager is working, it's, 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 being, it's, it's doing its job because you can hear the bell going, which is great. And I think that's ingenious. Simple and ingenious. Yeah, it's very elementary technology, isn't it? All right. Well, I suppose we are talking about that. It's quite an elemental process. So, so we've got that. So we've got the kettle bit and the, the next bit's the, the neck, you know, which... You know, and the kind of wide neck, no fanciness, that just rests on the top of that kettle and tapers its way up the way. And we'll, we'll come back to why that's tapered. And that's all in the, we'll, we mentioned that a couple of times in the last episode, there are issues about reflux. And we'll, we'll, I, th- I think it's helpful to point that up, but, but we'll come to it. We'll, we'll get to there because the, the neck, on whatever still it was going is going to be tapered, you know. So some will be f- come to a fat start and a wide finish. Mm-hmm. Others will be relatively slim, but they will still taper to a slimmer top. There's no added sophistication to those kind of straight neck stills. But you mentioned two others: ones that have got ones that have got a boiling ball, which looks like a, a wee bit like a, an onion resting on top of that mm-hmm. the, the copper pot. So it's round, you know, a big round globe, or some might be more squidged to look like more like a a rubber tire or an inner tube or a disc that's in your spine, if you've ever seen photographs of that. Um but or or something like a a shock absorber. But again, that that's to create extra surface area for interaction with with the the charge. And again, we'll taper to the top. And then there's one that probably is harder to describe and 
I'm still probably going to keep my hands moving at this point as a, as a lantern still, and it's a little bit of a mix of the two. So what, although it's, you can imagine the, the straight forward wide neck still flow, flowing straight flowing lines, a lantern has a slightly constricted start. So it's got a narrower entry point or, a, or exit point from the bowl and then moves out to, to create a kind of overhang above the bowl. But again, tapers up to the line arm. It's as if um, it's been kind of pinched. Yeah. Is that, is that the one? It's, it looks as if it's just somebody just squeezed the, the neck so it's really, really thin at one point yeah. and then it fattens back out. It would, you know, if, if you've seen a film of, or a program about you know, before the days of uh, electricity or even if you've uh, got a wee gas lantern sometimes, it, it would be that, that kind of shape. But again, that that particular shape will have an influence on the volume or the, the charge to copper interaction. As far as I understand it, that, that's essentially what the, the, the change in the shape is to influence that interaction between the copper, the walls of the, the neck of the still and the vapour inside. Yeah. It gets relatively cooler as it goes up and that's when the vapours might either go over into the line arm that we'll talk about in a wee second or they might not make it that far and they'll condense down the sides of the neck of that still to be re-boiled up and make another attempt to get over but if I'm right in thinking and again I'm getting I'm drifting into that world of reflux but that process changes the chemical composition of those particular vapours at a particular time so the, the, that, well, surprise, surprise, the application of heat changes things. Yeah, am I right in thinking that the, the heavier the heavier compounds have a lower boiling point? So yeah, that's, you, that, that's maybe something we've taken as a given, that, alco that the alcohol, the, the distillation process works uh -huh. because alcohol has a lower boiling point than water. So whilst the charge has got a lot of water in it, the bit that you're trying to extract is the alcohol itself, and that's going to move quicker out of the out of the bowl and and, and up the neck and, and over the line arm. But even even more so within that proportion of the contents of the still, there's alcohol in the wash, and within that alcohol there are uh, there's a range of compounds. There's there's what's described as your heavier alcohols and i i think i read that those compounds have a lower boiling point ever so slightly lower boiling point than the than the other elements contained within the alcohol so if those heavier compounds those heavier alcohols have a lower boiling point than the rest of the alcohol compounds they're going to be boiled off first which means that they are going to they're going to spend more time in contact with the copper, which is fortuitous because that's what you want. You want those heavier sulfury elements to be in contact with the copper to strip out those distasteful elements. Yeah, you want them to become melder mannered yeah. by their interaction with copper. So just one wee thing when you're talking, just while we're talking about the the, the lantern shaped stills. I'm wondering what the stills are like at Glenmorey. 
and what the stills are like at Pulteney. Those two whiskies come in bottles that the neck of the bottles, to my eye, resembles that lantern shape. It's pinched. So yeah. I'm wondering if that's the that's the uh, the reason why they come in those shaped bottles, just to echo the the, the, the equipment that's being used. Yeah, I, I wonder. And also, well, Pulteney is another one of those outliers, isn't it? Because, well, it's, it's got an eccentric line arm. We'll, we'll come back to that. Well, we, well, and the top of Pulteney's still is flat. There's quite a few stills with... Yeah. Are you talking about the, at the top of the neck, the head, where it joins to the line arm? Yeah, well, I suppose we should... Maybe we should describe... Well, folk, like you're saying, folk will know what a still looks like. There's usually that nice flowing line that moves up. But there are some outliers there where that's not that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Pulteney's one. It's now part of its legend, true or not, that new still arrived and it was too big for the still house. So <laughs> just he just capped it. Chop it off. The line arm still doesn't follow a gentle arc. It's got a really eccentric route kind of around and back and, and, and out the wall of the still house. Because again, it sounds like there were there were efforts there to put something that was too big for the space and you know, and by creating those extra angles and directions they, they they managed to get that amount of copper in what is a relatively small space. And without wanting to digress too far, um, you were mentioning or we were talking about stainless steel and versus copper earlier in previous episodes. Mm. Just when you're talking about Pulteney, they've used a stainless steel condenser. Now, I'm presuming that it's going to be a steel box with copper pipes inside, but there, we can come to that when we talk about condensing. Well, I just wanted to throw that in there as a wee precursor. Aye. I suppose that's what, if we go back to think about line arm, line arm's the, the exit point from the still. And again, that's relatively cool. That's the bit that carries the vapours away. And the shape and the angle there is going to influence the rate at which the alcohol gets out of the still. So if the line arm goes up, it's going to take, it's going to get harder. It's been harder for those vapours to get away. Yeah. And they might again fall back in for that reflux, that redistillation. Alternatively, if the line arm goes away at a sharp angle and has a wide exit point, which is what happens at McAllen, you would imagine that those heavier alcohols are going to get out of the, the still relatively easier compared to ones where the the line arm either goes up or goes at sometimes at, at 90 degrees. Yeah, the line arm's kind of making it easier, difficult for the yeah. escaping vapours to various degrees. And the, there's as much as there's so many different shapes and sizes in, in, of still in every distillery, there's a multitude of different shapes and sizes of, of line arms. Yeah. I think the line arm in Jura uh, goes up. Tobermory is pretty much at 90 degrees. And as we mentioned, the uh, McAllen, it's quite a sharp downward angle. And we've mentioned Pulteney earlier. It's not the only one with a more eccentric shape. You know, it's not, not the conventional one. Talisker too has... Uh, you visited Talisker recently? And- I was up there a couple of weeks ago and um, 
due to current circumstances where there, there weren't any tours, but there's photographs around the place and you can see it in some of the um, yearly uh, malt whiskey yearbooks. I think it's the wash stills. The line arm comes off the still perpendicular to the floor and then turns 90 degrees towards the floor and then turns 90 degrees to be perpendicular with the floor again and then exits the still house. Crazy. And I think it goes up again once it's exited. I'm not too sure. But yeah, it's um, there, there's nothing graceful and flowing about it. It's just Ooh. very, very angular. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it's what's come to, come to mind is that you can see then the, how there can be quite subtle influences then on what flavours are extracted in the process because. And we've not we're not making much of a distinction here between wash stills and and low wine spirit stills, but I, I, I think the kind of focus here is much more on kind of the final end point here in terms of the low wines and spirit stills. And we'll, we'll come back to the process in a, in a little bit later in terms of how how we talk through what's going on. But you can see that there are quite subtle influences then, and. Uh, it's difficult not to anthropomorphize the actual alcoholic vapor that's then set this challenge of how's it still. And you know, in, in the case of Talisker, thinks, oh yeah, I'm in now, I'm, I'm out of here, and then falls 90 degrees to the bottom. But oh, no, where do I go from here? How, how do I get, how do I then start going? You can see that it might move along on your 90 degree, but how, how does it get back up again? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's quite a lot of energy to get through that process. And all the, all the while, we have to remember as well, I think, all the while the vapour is moving further and further away from the heat source. Yes, and cooling so, down. So it's cooling, which means it, it doesn't have any of that um, heat driving it upwards or away from the, from the heat source. The vapour is cooling down the whole time mm. and it's losing that energy to be able to remove itself from the still and as it cools it's going to condense and there's your reflux again and as we mentioned also importantly aren't the only outliers i think crag and moore's got flat-headed stills <laughs> and you mentioned fetter cairn with its waterfall arrangement yeah. coming down the outside of the the neck um, down has got a more complex but essentially it's got a contained water jacket mm-hmm. but again on the just on neck. the head is yeah. that Dalmore's no, I, think, just going... I, think goes, I think it goes down a bit lower but again Dalmore's low wine stills have got a, a flatter head as well so for all there's a lot of uh, there are traditional views that you know the still must flow in those particular lines, that, that's clearly not the case for for a reasonable number of stills that we've picked up on already. And there are some, you know, that are way out there in terms of their design as well. Um, or even, I think, uh, Razzy have got a water jacket on the stills that they do, that they sometimes use. Or they, they don't use it for every, every uh, distillation run. And I'd, I'd also um, seen, because we're going to come on and talk about condensers, there's in the the version of uh, or the, the print edition I've got of Alfred Bernard's book, the Whiskey Distilleries of the UK. 
Is yeah. it right there on page, I think between 58 and 60 is uh, the original Hazelburn distillery in Campbelltown. And it, its depiction is, looks straight out of the world of Jules Verne. It's really old steampunk style of these big, round, global, glo globe-shaped stills with, with just like a, a chimney coming off them. And that is essentially what we'll go on to talk about is a, is a, a condenser. It was a, a, a shell tube condenser coming straight out of the still. Wow. Yes, yeah, maybe a, an early candle of maybe even maybe even a Loman still or, or something like that. You know, but it's, it's as straight up and down compared to these other really nice flowing angles that we're, that we're more used to in this kind of traditional depiction of, of stills. And then and I suppose... The ultimate outlier for me must be uh, Avon Jerig, if you've seen their still configuration, which just looks like a, a couple of pointy hats and then quite a lot of plumbing going on. Yeah. There's, there's no recognisable relationship between what, how they distill and you know, even Glenmonji with its big tall stills. They just don't make any, there's no, so little to connect it to. I think there's there's so so much variety and so much difference in the sizes and shapes of stills and necks and line arms and we've not even talked well even just before we get to the we're in the line arm, line arm but let's if we retread re, rewind a little bit and, and stay with the neck you mentioned Loman stills there and it's worth I think with look Loman distillers putting out. You know, they seem to have a bit of a higher profile these days than perhaps a few years ago. And there's a lot of quality expressions coming out of Loch Lomond. It's worth, worthwhile mentioning the their use of a straight-necked. They've got straight-necked stills in there and they've got plates in them so that they can effectively heighten or lower the, 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 the height of the, the, the length of the neck, the height of the still. And that then will allow different characters of spirit to be drawn off. So they, they've got kind of like a, almost a multi-still capacity within that one still that, that allows them to change the flavour profile at will. Yeah, I was thinking about them when we were doing this, and they're, they're very clearly, they're Loch Lomond. I've, I've really embraced that, that still shape that seems to be integral to their... The way that they make their spirit, and was trying to how 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 could you describe it? And I, I think by looking at it, I could only describe it as a, like a like a syringe on top of the bowl. You know that you've got that that long straight tube mm -hmm. and then a narrow point at the top. And although it's called a Loman still, if I'm right in thinking, it wasn't uh, it wasn't developed by Loch Loman distillers. Well, I think it was Hiram Walker at Dumbarton that, that had it first, as far as I know. Yeah, because there's uh, others kicking about, aren't there? Because uh, Glen Burgie had one, and they called the spirit there Glen Craig. And Milton Duff must have been owned by them. At the same. Milton Duff and Glen Burgie go into Ballantines. So, and they had... Which is a Hiram Walker. Yeah. Uh, and again, I, th I think there is 
It's, it's not got a conventional heating system either, a Loman still, because it's steam that goes through the, the, the charge and, and creates the, the interaction with the plates, if I'm right. But they've all, the, the only one that I, that I know of in conventional use is, is now at Loch Lomond, with, with the notable exception of one of the newer, Inch Darnley, I think, has a Loman still, but we'll, we'll come to them in, in a wee bit. Um, and Glenbergie don't, don't make Glen Craig anymore. In fact, that still was taken out and is in Scapa. I think it's just used as a conventional wash still. Wow. And, and there's a Brook Laddie one, which came from Dumbarton. Yeah. But they never used for, for gin. Yeah. So, certainly a, a bit of a mix-up there. Well, should we maybe uh, <laughs> skip past triple distillation for just now? I think we can probably uh, afford to offer triple distillation a, a an episode of its own if we yeah. if we manage to hop across the Irish Sea and visit our friends over there for an episode or two or six. Yeah, I suppose maybe also I'll put another wee food for thought out, out there because that was supposedly traditionally uh, a lowland activity and it certainly went on and still goes on at Ockentoshin, which is mm -hmm. one of the ones that, that's that's still working in terms of a lowland dist dist distillery. It certainly went on at Rosebank, but I think the lowland distillers those that still did triple distillation. Little Mill did it for a while up until the 1960s. Right. And and they then installed a water jacket on the low wine still. So they they obviously felt like that was creating that the purifying the spirit effectively. But uh even though one of the old style uh Lowland Distillers, again, no longer with us is St. Magdalene. That was a double distillation. So there was no triple distillation. But I did find out that they uh, they did have a Morton refrigerator, like Edge Dower. But that harks back to... See, there's, there's wee nuggets just to pick up all the way, aren't they? Um, but of the, of the newer distillers, all the, all the so-called Lowlands, like uh, Kings Barnes, Daft Mill, Eden Mill, Lindos Abbey that we got a wee honourable mention earlier on, Holyrood, Abarargi and Borders, none of those triple distill. And it's only with the exception of Inchdarney that uses a Loman still as part of its triple distillation process. So it's both an outlier and an innie at the same time, which is... <laughs> well, I, and I suppose that's, that's a long-winded way of saying, I think we've got you begin to wonder with so much sophistication, and Razi does this as well. It can, it's got all these pauses in the distillation process where it can make this type of spirit that it wants to in different ways. I wonder if that begins to undermine the notion of regionality, and that that I think that we, I think we need to lay that down as well as our podcast thoughts. We're we're definitely going to have to deal with that because I think it's it's becoming more and more apparent in in what producers are putting out there that they're not satisfied or 
they're not content to just put out what a Speyside distillery is traditionally or supposed to produce a, a light honeyed floral whatever. Mm. You know, I think those days may be gone now that a lot of distillers are just widening their horizons and, and, and exploring flavour. It's all coming down to flavour now. You can see it in the way some people are, are, are talking about organising their bars. I've heard bar owners talking about, we don't, we've got the, the, the back bar, the gantry, and we're not organising it in, in regions anymore. We're organising it in flavours because that's the, that's the thing that people want and that's the thing that people understand. That's, that's kind of why you're drinking it because you like the flavour. So let's explore that. Let's, let's um, organise ourselves in, along those lines rather than hemming ourselves into some historical um, artifice. Yeah, and I think it's on top, on top of that as well as so-called traditional lowland triple distillation. Off the top of my head, Cochran, Ben Riech, Hazelburn and Brookladdy are all non-Lowland distillers who are experimenting with triple distillation. So I think you're right, it's much more about you, or, or as a greater understanding has come about the ingredients and the equipment, so too is a greater understanding and interest in terms of expressing the, that whole range of, of flavour profile. So I, I, I definitely think we should uh, we should come back to that. Mm. And there's one one, uh, one other maybe things if if we're going to move on from still shapes is maybe to give an honourable mention to another outlier is Strathairn which uses Alembic very spherical stills but also I think you picked up on an, an historical uh, still, the the lowland still, oh. not a loman, the lowland still. Yeah, yeah. So this is some. I mean, we're, I dare say, if we if we look at the the history of Scotch whisky, we're, we're, we need to do that at some point and 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 get into the a kind of timeline of how things happened and why things happened and how we ended up where we are and. You know all the all the kind of events that shook up the industry, and that phrase, the Lowland, sorry, the Lowland, still was cropping up. And just by chance, somebody posted a picture online, and it was um, dated from round about the late 1700s. And some distillers had been through uh, various acts of Parliament that had been at that had been passed with a view to try and they were trying to raise taxes and it kind of forced distillers into changing the shape of their stills and what what they ended up doing was having very 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 shallow wide dishes as stills so there was a picture posted online um, of two stills feeding into one worm tub and the still on the left was a regular I think it was a forty-gallon still, and it was a shape you would you would generally generally recognise uh, as being a, a pot still. And the other still was also forty gallons, but it was really really shallow, super shallow. And apparently, the because of that, 
the spirit was boiled off much, much quicker, which allowed distillers to create more spirit in a shorter amount of time. But the downside was that the spirit was pretty rank because it had no time for the reflux. And we can get into all the, the 1784 wash acts and, 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 and you know how the Highland line came to be designated and how the lowland whiskey producers were a designated group amongst you know the discrete group that parliament recognized and as opposed to the highland distillers who didn't use these lowland stills they didn't have to because they they were not subject to the same laws uh that, well they were subject but they just didn't listen um anyway you can get into all of that stuff when we when we look at the um get into the history of it all but it was really quite something to see these two stills and how they've had the same capacity and they were so different and they were different and they gave different results oh, that was quite remarkable yeah and well i suppose that's it's another element i suppose we've hinted at and and that's the issue there is about profit isn't it it's not about so it's profit driving the production process rather than the art and the craft. Well, I think there's, there, 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 there must have come a point in whiskey's history where it changed from being a product that was beneficial to those people that were making it and it was a, an agricultural crop, if you like, and there came a point where it changed circumstances and history combined to turn it into something that was a profit-making enterprise yeah. so distillers way back in the day would be a farmers and they would be as we've discussed before they would be using that as a way of adding value to the grain that they'd harvested etc etc and then but at some point it became an industry and a tax raising avenue for for governments but I don't know how we got there from line arms. <laughs> um, still shape, I think. And still shape. Well, maybe we're not. I don't think we're quite out of still yet either. Because uh, I was going to mention just that, that we can often see appendages on the outside of stills. Yeah. Um, and one of the appendages you might see could just be the. Uh, there might be a, a, a variety of valves, pressure valves, if you like, that will, will either stop the stop the, the still from imploding or stop it from exploding, I presume. So you can quite often see these appendages on the on the outside of the on the outside of the still. But I know that you were you were going to mention I don't know, did you mention purifiers already? I wonder if we get if we follow the process from if we think about the chemical process and the reactions, if that will take us into thinking about, because we mentioned rummagers, making sure that the bottom of the still is clean of any debris and sticky matter. But I wonder if we think about the chemical process at work with the vapours rising up, if that gets us into reflux and what, what happens there. And then, because I think purifiers and then later on condensers to a lesser extent are are part of that story about manipulating the vapors to create this the desirable spirit so you know if you look at well alcohol as we mentioned it's got those 
kind of long chain fatty acids, and that that's that's where the flavours come from. But not all of them are, as, as suggested, are, are the well-behaved chemicals that we want to get. Some of them are pretty rank, and some of them can be dangerous if you produce the the, the wrong type of alcohol. So what what we've got really is a as the, as these vapours have been uh, warmed up. They, they mix with oxygen and hydrogen and carbon, and that, that's how their chemical formulation has changed. And that's the it's that change in chemical structure and creating of the to create ethanol that is going on in, in the still. And as we mentioned right at the start of part one of this, we're we're not chemists, so that that's as that's as much as the of the chemistry. I feel I feel like I'm getting there now though. <laughs> <laughs> but that that rate of evaporation to create the vapors is is about the the application of heat. And as as you'd mentioned, though, you don't want these bad guys over over there right away. Mm-hmm. You want to wait a wee while and modify their behaviour and their, their chemical cons- uh, formulation. So you're look, we're looking at slow and steady as the way forward, as opposed to to rushing it. Although, if I could interject, to my understanding, that that concept isn't as much of a consideration on the wash still. Mm. Very, very, very much a consideration on the low wines still. But on the on the wash still, once you've got past that, what did you call it? Breaking the head. Yeah, I, I might just have made that up, but yeah. <laughs> breaking my head (laughs) 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 Uh, so once you once you've got over once you've once the froth has dissipated then you can just as far as i could tell you could just run run that still you know pretty hot because you're collecting everything from it you're not gonna you're not gonna divert some of the some of that resultant liquid you're not going to divert it and and partition it in, in the way that you will from the low wine still. Yeah, you're you're reducing the water content, really, aren't you? You're extracting as much alcohol as you can at, at, with with less water. So your beer's coming in there, what seven, eight percent, and it's leaving somewhere between around about an average about twenty five percent of alcohol as alcohol, but certainly depending on particular distilleries. Yeah, and for the most part now that those. Stills are heated using steam coils or steam pans inside, but as we mentioned, that, up, that I think that upturned saucer we mentioned earlier kind of harks back to the days of direct firing, which should have been coal or, uh, in fact, I think but some still have direct firing by gas, but certainly I think Ardmore and Glendronach, which were part of the same group at the time, were one of the last to do away with direct coal firing. Wow. Okay. I know there was. We were doing a, a tasting of Japanese and Indian whiskies a while back, and just recently actually. Um, and there's one of the Japanese distilleries is still using coal. Aye. Can't remember which one. Should have been paying more attention. <laughs> Maybe that was Dram Four. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think. Ardmore was converted over gas or steam, I think, um, 
2001 and Glendron 2005. So they were the last the direct coal-fired distilleries. And you can imagine how dangerous that was, having that, you know, essentially a naked flame with such combustible material in a still house that's full of highly combustible material. Do you say, so Glendronach were coal-fired until 2005? Yeah. Yeah, they were the last, they were last to, to convert as far as, as, as the, wee, the wee nugget that I've picked mm-hmm. up. Wow. So does that mean that if you're buying anything from Glendronach that's over 15 years old, it's one or, one or, 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 or both stills would have been fired by coal? Yeah. Great. Directly. Mm. Just as a, a wee uh, interjection, that's us. We've, we've eclipsed the 50-minute mark. We've not even got reflux. I thought we could finish on reflux. <laughs> do, you, do you think we could do that? Uh, before we get to, we'll we'll go for warm tubs and and spirit safes and all that the next time then. Aye, purifiers, warm tubs, condensers. Yeah, cool. So we've we've blathered as 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 ever, Stuart. Some of us more coherently than others tonight. Nonsense, Peter. I won't hear a word said against you. <laughs> <laughs> so we've blathered on a good bit, Stuart. And we've been trying to be a wee bit more restrained in these last couple of recordings. So maybe we could bring things to an end tonight with thinking about reflux, because we've we've trailed this for a fair bit. Of, and, and in truth, I think this has got some, a lot to say about how the processes of distillation work. And I, and I think we've got more, more details to add. We'll probably have to go to a third attempt, maybe even trying to draw all this in, especially if we're going to start talking about purifiers, condensers and cuts and faints and foreshots and stuff like that. But for the time being, if we concentrate on the the notion of reflux, which is about the interaction between the vapour and the copper. So the alcohol vapours rise and depending on the shape of the still, we'll have a journey of sorts to get out of the still. But as as we mentioned before, it's relatively cooler the higher up you go in the still. And it's at that point these alcohol vapours could come to condense against the, the copper walls of the still. And as we also mentioned, some distillers might accelerate that process by cooling the head of the still, the very, the very top of the still, yeah. to make sure that it's, that it's cold up there. And, and that the vapours then condense and run back down the walls of the still to be redistilled, to become vapour again. But if I'm thinking right, is that that changes the chemical structure of, of the molecules in that, that vapour. And that, that's going to be where they interact with hydrogen, or the interaction between hydrogen and carbon and oxygen. And it's those compounds that, for the most part, make the spirit lighter, more refined, less full of those fusel oils and badly behaved chemicals that will that are both not so pleasantly tasting and, and not so good good for your health. Does I, that does that make sense to you? That 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 chimes exactly with the process, how it how it operates in my head and how I'm thinking about it. But just to add to that, I think it's um 
was either earlier on in this episode or the previous episode, I was talking about the, the copper grabbing hold of the, the nastier elements in the, in the condensed vapour. But I, I, I remembered also reading somebody was saying that if you look at copper through a microscope, you can actually see it's quite hairy. It's not a it's not even smooth metal. Not that anything's smooth, you know, if you look at a microscope, anything it's going to be. But copper in particular is has a lot of these filaments. I would imagine that it's that kind of, those kind of hairs and filaments that are penetrating the, 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 the condensed vapour and, and there's a reaction taking place where it, it grabs hold of the, the nastier bits that we don't want. So it's at, at its surface, it's reaching out yeah. to, to react. That's really amazing. It changes actually even my view because I, I, I was trying to describe it. I think about the process that's going on in, in my own head, and, and the only, actually way it was a, it was the wrong one. I kept thinking about like almost like a fountain <laughs> going up inside the still, and you know fountains don't go all the way up; they always drop back. Mm-hmm. Some some goes higher, some bits go higher than the other. But in this case, it's a vapor that's kind of moving out and. That's a, a gorgeous sense of these wee filaments, yeah. the copper, wee combs reaching out to the bad guys to to mellow their mood. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's good. I like that. Yeah, that that's quite a nice way of bringing that to an end. I think. I think, I think there's so much to cover. I think we're um, as much as the the copper is grabbing hold of the the bad guys. We are allowing our listeners to not be subject to our ramblings for too long. So, um, yeah, that was great. I mean, it's just so fascinating. Um, we've covered a lot, and I think we've still got we've still got tons to tons yeah, to cover. Yeah, so um, shall we? Sign off once again by raising our glasses to the distillers, all the the men and women who... Yeah, I think that's a great idea, yeah. To the men and women in the still room who are taking care of the low wines. Cheers. Good to you. Moan the stills, moan the distillers. Aye. Um, Okay, so we'll leave it there and I'll catch up with you soon, hopefully, and we'll, we'll, we'll get through the rest of this distillation process. Yep. All right, see you on the next one. <laughs>